Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies, and I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. I am really excited to record this podcast episode because it's on a topic that I've been actively working with, working on, trying to change over the past, I don't know, maybe two months. So it's been a while. It's about freeing yourself from the internal critic. And I think we all know that voice. (laughs) It's the one that tells us that we can't do it that we're not good enough. It's the one that sows seeds of self-doubt. It is that voice that tells you that you should be afraid and that you should keep yourself small, as was the topic of last week's podcast episode. And the crazy thing about the inner critic is that it's so ingrained in the way that we speak to ourselves that we don't even notice that it's there sometimes. It's hard to even pinpoint. You think it's just a thought I'm having, right? It's just reality. It's just me being practical. It's just me identifying the flaws and the mistakes and the shortcomings that I see in myself. But it's really not true. And where this all kind of started for me was, I think about two months ago, and I was watching my friend give her daughter a bath. I think her kid is like two years old right now. They filled the bathtub up with bubbles and it was super fun. I was putting bubbles all over this little baby. Well, I guess she's a toddler, but she still kind of looks like a baby. And they got out of the bathtub and my friend says to her daughter, what do you say? And she says, I love my beautiful body. I love my beautiful body. I love my beautiful body. And I was just like, whoa, (laughs) I can't even imagine the type of person that I might have grown up to be if my mom had me saying, I love my beautiful body every time I came out of the bath. I can't even imagine the way I think about myself and the way I'd appreciate my body. And instead, I spent most of my years as a teenager and in my 20s really hating my body When I was in high school, my friends and I used to do this thing that we called the nap diet where, you know, we all thought we were too fat, obviously, even though we were not, you know, we were 17 years old and we would go to sleep in the afternoon when we were hungry so that we wouldn't have to eat. When I got to college, I don't know if I would classify myself as bulimic, but I definitely would throw up sometimes every once in a while when I felt like I'd eaten too much and I was really hard on myself, I would tear myself to shreds. You know, I'd look at my body and think, oh, I have too much stomach fat or I have stretch marks. And seeing my friend speak to her daughter and teach her daughter how to treasure her body got me thinking that maybe I've been wrong all this time. Maybe I need to change the way I think about myself. I started telling myself that when I got out of the shower, I would say, I love my beautiful body. I love my beautiful body. And it seems really silly, but I feel like it's working. And on top of that, 
I just finished the New York triathlon. I did it on Sunday. Yay, go me. It was a huge accomplishment. It was really, really hard. I basically spent a little under three months training pretty extensively with my husband. I went from being able to barely run. I remember it was, I think, May 1st, and we were in Miami (laughs) on vacation celebrating that we were double vaccinated, and we did one of our first runs of the training, and it was essentially an alternating run where you would jog for three minutes and walk for two minutes. And during those three minutes when we were jogging, I just didn't think I could do it. I had to really push myself mentally. And here I am on the boardwalk of South Beach. And there are all these amazingly fit people zooming past me. And here I am with my husband and we're both huffing and puffing, sweating bullets, even trying to keep up and sustain a run for three minutes, actually really a jog. And I could hear myself with the inner critic setting in again and saying, this is pathetic. You're such a loser. Look at all these people who are running. Why aren't you even able to run? This is so sad. And then I thought back to that moment of saying, I love my beautiful body. And I decided to change what it was that I said to myself. And I said, wow, Liz, you are amazing for doing this. You're amazing for putting yourself in a state of discomfort. It's not easy doesn't feel good. You're not the best at it. You're not even good at this, but you're still showing up every day and you're training, you're committing to your training. And it also really helped that I was using Nike run club, which I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's such a beautiful, beautiful tool. If you're getting into running, essentially this guy, coach Bennett, he records these kind of coaching conversations that you listen to while you're running. And he just basically tells you how great you are and how amazing you are. And Coach Bennett became my cheerleader. He became my champion. And then it got to the point where I was no longer listening to him when I was running, but I continued to use that same dialogue to myself as I was doing these really difficult runs. And I noticed what a big difference it made. I had this one run that was really, really tough. And I kept saying to myself, you are an athlete you're so strong. Look at your body. And I would say, I love my body. I love my body. I'm so strong. I had the best mile time I had of all my running. And so fast forward three months of biking, running, training really, really hard. And I did it. I did it on Sunday. It was really challenging. I certainly was not the fastest. I finished, you know, somewhere slightly below the 50th percentile of my group of women, but I feel great and I feel powerful and I feel strong. I think so much of the triathlon was a mental game. It was about showing up every day, doing the exercise that my coach had given me and not letting myself get discouraged and continuing to cheer myself on. And during the actual race myself, I basically just repeated over and over again, you're an athlete, you're an athlete, you're strong, you're strong. And there are parts that were really scary. So the bike ride was along the West Side Highway. You bike from about 101st Street up into the Bronx. So I think you go up to as far as like the late 200s, like 260th, 270th Street. And then you turn around and you go down past 100, you go to, I think, the 50s, and then you U-turn and come back to 100th Street. It's 25 miles, I believe, altogether. 
And it's kind of frightening because that part of the West Side Highway is actually really hilly. And you're also, you know, on the overpass sometimes, right? So you're on bridges where you can see the water beneath you and it's super windy and all these really fast triathletes are zipping around you. And I got really terrified. I kept picturing myself with someone crashing into me or the wind sweeping me across the road off of the overpass and then me catapulting into my death in the water. As that image came through of me falling off my bike and dying, I kept saying to myself, you're an athlete. You can do this. You are strong. You're here. You're doing this. You showed up. I want to highly, highly recommend that if any of you guys are starting a running practice, listen to Nike Run Club. And if you're not doing a running practice, but you're getting into something else physical, starting to listen to the dialogue that you're telling yourself when you're exercising. Are you hard on yourself? Is this what you would tell your friend if you're exercising with them? Or are you your own biggest cheerleader? And for me, it was very much a crossroads of, do I want to be my own biggest critic? Do I want to be the one who's telling myself I can't do it? Or do I want to be the one who's telling myself that I can? And there is something that really resonated with me in one of the Nike Run Club coaching sessions. And what he said was that we believe that excellence is about things feeling easy. If you are the best runner in the world, you can go out, run five miles, no problem. It feels like a breeze. But what we're mistaken about is that excellence isn't about everything feeling easy. Excellence is actually about knowing that you have the capacity to make it through hard things. And that shifted everything for me because I think so much of my dialogue was telling me that I should be good. It should feel like a walk in the park. I should be able to run a mile, no problem. I should be able to run two miles, no problem. But instead I decided to switch it up and tell myself, you know, if it feels hard, that's good because it means that you are growing. So I started to relish the runs that felt really challenging where I felt like I couldn't keep up because it meant that I was pushing myself and I was growing. So that was a huge unlock. I did it. I ran in the triathlon. I crossed the finish line strong, had some drinks with my wonderful friends who met me with my favorite type of drink, which is jungle juice. Essentially, it's just a mixture of different juices and vodka. So they met me and my husband at the park. We had juice, we had brunch, and then I went home and I ate half a large pizza and it was amazing. And here I am today, two days later, recording this podcast. What I also want to talk about is how to apply this to your work as well. A couple weeks ago, I started working with a mantra that I read in this book that I talked about last episode called The Big Leap. And I know I went on and on and on about how wonderful The Big Leap is, how everyone should read it, but I didn't get a chance to talk about the specific mantra that is, I think, in the last chapter of the book. The author of The Big Leap, Gay Hendricks, he says how this mantra unlocks everything in life. And I've been telling myself this mantra all the time, and I think it's really made a difference in my work. So here's the mantra. Are you guys ready? The mantra is, I expand in abundance, success, and love every day as I inspire others to do the same. I expand in abundance, success, and love every day as I inspire others to do the same. I have just been telling myself this over and over and over again. And last week, I landed 
three new clients plus a huge contract to facilitate this workshop that I'm really, really excited about. And essentially, I'm adding an extra, ooh, I don't know, over this next month, then I'm adding an additional 20K in income that I'm billing more than I usually am. And that's huge for me because as you guys know, I've been saving to potentially buy a building with my husband. So it was really cool to see how my mindset had shifted and that allowed me to bring in more prosperity and more abundance into my life. And I'm not saying that it's as easy as, you know, you repeat this mantra to yourself over and over again, and then suddenly you can be making all the money that you want. It's really not like that. I mean, I've been building this business now for a couple of years, and I think a lot of this is the fruits of the labor that I've put in before. But I do feel like this mantra has shifted the way that I approach my work, where I'm showing up happier, I'm showing up more grateful, I'm showing up expecting that good things are going to happen to me. And they have. It feels really nice, especially when I look back to where I was a year ago and reset the learning studio, the physical studio that I built in Nolita here in New York had just shut down a few months earlier. I had no real steady income streams. I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. I was over 150K in debt that I owed in taxes and on credit cards and on a loan that I had taken out to start my business. And I was in a really, really dark place. And I decided that I wasn't going to stop until I got myself out of that place. And so here I am a year later and everything is great. You know, I I feel like I've accomplished my goals and then some and more and more and more. And a lot of that is mindset because honestly, back a year ago, last August, I literally said to my husband, I think I'm going to quit. I think I'm going to stop doing this business and just get another job. I don't know if I meant to do this. And he said, just keep going. You have to keep going for six months. You cannot let yourself believe that it's over because that's when it's over. I'm all about mindset these days. I'm really trying to look into whenever that inner critic pops up and just root it out, just annihilate it. And what's been really helpful for me in doing that is to pinpoint where the inner critic comes from. And that's why I'm calling it the inner critic and I'm not calling it my inner critic or your inner critic, because I don't believe that that inner critic belongs to me. What's been really helpful for me is to pinpoint where that initial narrative, that toxic, pessimistic, negative narrative originated in my life. I'll give you an example of something I've really been working through. Even though I've been training really hard the past three months, I haven't actually lost any weight. (laughs) If anything, I've actually gained weight because I've developed more muscle in my legs and my rear end. I actually can't quite fit into a lot of my pants. I'm also eating more because I need more calories just to keep going on my runs and my bike rides. And so I kind of thought with doing this triathlon that I would look really amazing And I actually was looking at some pictures of me from a year ago, and I was just objectively far skinnier then. I was doing yoga and Pilates and high-intensity interval training, but I had basically no cardio practice. And if you kind of look at pictures side by side, 
me now doing this triathlon training versus me a year ago when I was really stressed out and I was not feeling very healthy and not feeling really great, but I was really skinny. There's this real part of me that prefers that latter body type, less healthy, but skinnier. I've been kind of disappointed in myself because I'm seeing myself running in these short shorts and sports bras. And I felt like, oh, I look fat. I don't look very good. I've really had to pinpoint where that voice comes from. It's obviously not for me, right? Because I love that I feel healthy. I love that my cardio's up. My lungs feel good. My legs feel strong. It comes from my childhood. It comes from my mom optimizing for being skinny over anything and her always telling me that I wasn't skinny enough and seeing her not really eat and not be healthy, putting so much of a focus on being skinny as opposed to being healthy. And I really internalized that dialogue. And so now the work has been in me reframing what is important to me personally. Every single time I have a negative thought, I replace it with a thought that is true and a thought that is uplifting. So if I look in the mirror and I think, oh, I don't fit into this spandex that I'm supposed to wear for the triathlon and I'm disappointed in myself. And then I reframe it very quickly and I say, that is not true. That voice doesn't come from me. I am strong and I love my beautiful body. And I've been doing the same thing with work where when I have a really long work day, I've been taking on these new clients and I feel like I can't do this. I don't deserve this. I'm going to fail and mess everything up because I can't keep up. And then I say, no, you can do hard things. You can do this. You're here for a reason. These clients came to you for a reason because they believe in you. And if you don't believe in yourself, who will? And so I'm really, really trying as much as I can to be my own biggest fan. A framework that's been really helpful for me is to think about what I would say to my best friend or really to any human person if they're in my position. So let's say I'm going on a jog with my friend who hasn't gone running in a while and she's struggling. Am I going to say to her, you're a loser? Absolutely not. I'm going to applaud her and tell her how amazing she is for putting herself out there and putting herself in a vulnerable position of being a beginner at something. I see this so much with my clients too, where so much of my job as a coach is to work with these high performers, these people who are incredible and talented and devoting their lives to a specific mission that they really believe in. And they are their own worst bosses. They are so hard on themselves. And I am there in part to give them business advice, right? And to work on actual game plans and action steps. But foundationally, my role is to help them be a mirror and to see what is remarkable in themselves. Doing that coaching work on a day-to-day basis, I'm really trying to do it to myself too. So I want to invite you guys all to take a week, this week, as soon as you listen to this podcast and dedicate seven days to your cheerleader challenge. Can you be your own biggest advocate and your own biggest supporter for one week straight? noticing your thoughts, sitting with your thoughts, maybe using that mantra that I shared earlier and just see how it feels. See if it feels different in your body. See if it changes the way you see the world. Neurologically, from the perspective of positive psychology and neuroscience, we know that when any person is in a fear-based state, they can't think critically and they can't think creatively. 
And it's because we're wired to shut down all those cognitive processes when we believe that we're under attack. Comes from origins of human beings, where if you're running away from a saber-toothed tiger or you're fighting for your life against a natural predator, then you are not going to be powering the parts of your brain that are creative and generative and inspirational. You're going to dedicate all of your energy just to surviving. So your body is going to pump itself full of adrenaline just to get out of that situation. And it is going to hurl itself into flight or fight mode. Is that right? Fight or flight. There we go. It's going to hurl itself into fight or flight mode. And it's going to shut down all those beautiful, dreamy, creative, inspirational parts of you that really actually do need to exist in the world. And so when our inner critic, when the inner critic rather, is filling your head with this belief that you can't do it, that you're not enough, that you need to change X, Y, and Z about the way you look or the way that you are, of course, all these other parts of your brain are going to shut down. You can't create. You can't think optimistically. You can't dream about the future because you're stuck in a scarcity and fear-based mindset. One of my favorite books about this topic is actually the very, very first book on Buddhism that I ever read. And this is not to try to convert any of you guys to Buddhism, But I actually started to identify myself as a Buddhist in my late 20s, early 30s. And I had been raised Catholic and sort of bounced around from religion to religion. I would go to church sometimes. I went to synagogue with friends sometimes. And I was looking for something spiritual, but I didn't really know what it was. And I read this book called Radical Acceptance. And it changed my life. It was amazing. It's by this woman named Tara Brock, who is a psychologist, or actually rather, I think she might be a psychiatrist. And she's also a very, very amazing Buddhist teacher. And I've been lucky enough to go on retreat with her a couple of times. But if you're interested in this topic of your inner critic, I highly, highly recommend you read this book called Radical Acceptance. I'm going to read just a couple of passages from it because I think it's really powerful. This is what she says. Feeling unworthy goes hand in hand with feeling separate from others, separate from life. If we are defective, how can we possibly belong? It's a vicious cycle. The more deficient we feel, the more separate and vulnerable we feel. Underneath our fear of being flawed is a more primal fear that something is wrong with life, that something bad is going to happen. Our reaction to this fear is to feel blame, even hatred, toward whatever we consider the source of the problem, ourselves, others, life itself. But even when we have directed our aversion outward, deep down, we still feel vulnerable. Our feelings of unworthiness and alienation from others give rise to various forms of suffering. For some, the most glaring expression is addiction, and maybe alcohol, food, or drugs addicted to relationship, dependent on a particular person or people in order to feel they are complete and that life is worth living. Some try to feel important through long hours of grueling work, an addiction that our culture often applauds. Some create outer enemies and are always at war with the world. The belief that we are deficient and unworthy makes it difficult to trust that we are truly loved. So that really resonated with me. And there's also a part of the book where she asks you to start recognizing when this voice speaks up. This is what she says. 
pause for a few minutes every day to consider the parts of yourself that you habitually reject. So ask yourself, do I accept my body as it is? Do I accept my mind as it is? Am I critical of myself for having obsessive thoughts, for having bad thoughts, mean judgmental thoughts? Do I accept my emotions and moods as they are? Is it okay for me to cry, to feel insecure and vulnerable, for getting depressed, for feeling jealous? Am I a bad person or do I feel like a bad person because of the ways I behave? Do I hate myself when I act in a self-centered or hurtful way? Am I down on myself for not accomplishing enough, for not standing out or being special in my work? So she has a whole list of these questions that you can ask yourself. I only read a few of them. As you go through your day, pause occasionally to ask yourself, this moment, do I accept myself just as I am? What a beautiful, beautiful statement to ask yourself at this moment, do I accept myself just as I am? Finally, I'll read one last excerpt from this book. There is something wonderfully bold and liberating about saying yes to our entire imperfect and messy life. With even a glimmer of that possibility, joy rushes in. When we put down the ideas of what life should be like, we are free to wholeheartedly say yes to our life as it is. So you guys know, I end every episode by telling you guys to say yes to life. And I think this is really a part of it, right? It's saying yes to what is. Instead of looking in the mirror or analyzing yourself and saying no to everything, no, no, I hate my hair. I hate my skin. I'm breaking out, whatever. I was so stupid today in this meeting. Why did I say that? You know, you're saying no to your life. You're saying no to you. No, not good enough. But let's replace everything with yes. And saying yes to life means saying, yes, I have stretch marks and I love them. And yes, I wasn't super prepared during that meeting, but I'm human and I love myself. That's basically all I wanted to say today. I feel like I've been talking on and on and on about the same topic and you guys get it by now. So this is where we will actually part ways for the day, but I highly recommend radical acceptance I also really recommend this card deck by Louise Hay called How to Love Yourself Cards. Each card, I think there are 52 of them, has a different affirmation. It's just a really great way to have inspiration for how to replace all those negative self-critical thoughts in your head with positive ones. I find that all this stuff is so useful because for me, I've been trying to reprogram 36 years <laughs> of thinking badly about myself and of letting the inner critic have free reign on my life. It obviously doesn't happen overnight, but you start to feel the benefits right away. You're going to have moments where you slip back into letting the self-critic run amok, but then you pull yourself out of it. And the key part is not being perfect. It's not feeling like you're 100% your biggest cheerleader all the time, but it's about that moment of awareness. When you see it, you name it, you say, wow, that's the inner critic at work. You can recognize that it's happening. And then you replace that thought with something else. It's really been helpful for me to have all this inspiration and all this fodder for how to replace those negative thoughts with new ones, new ones that I wasn't ever accustomed to hearing when I was growing up. So get the card deck. I think it's really nice. Maybe I'll just pull one, pull a card right now. Okay, here's one. I just picked one at random. 
Healing means to make whole and to accept all parts of myself, not just the parts I like, but all of me. That is a much better version of a fortune cookie. Thank you guys so much for listening. As a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to it, mostly because I don't always post the same day every week. And I also don't always post every week. I've been on a really good roll, but sometimes I can go a week or two or more if things are really busy without posting. So you'll know if a new episode is out, if you subscribe. And then also please like and review the podcast. It really, really helps me to find more people. And I have loved hearing from you. So thank you to everyone who wrote me this week and sharing your stories and sharing how the podcast has affected you. It's what keeps me going. As much as I love being my own inner cheerleader, I also like hearing from you guys because it helps fill out my cheerleading squad. So thank you guys. And remember to listen to yourself, to love yourself, and to say yes to life so life can say yes to you. Thanks, guys.